Unprepared to engage Mormon missionaries when they knock on your door? Perhaps the book Mormonism 101 will help. Mormonism 101, published by Baker Book. Available at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Is there a health risk in drinking green tea? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we've been going through an article that was in the New Era magazine. It was the August 2019 edition titled Vaping, Coffee, Tea, and Marijuana. And as the subtitle says, let's clear up a few items that young people today may be confused about when it comes to the word of wisdom. Bill, I just want to mention in this edition of the New Era magazine, they dealt with a lot of different issues having to do with health. For instance, Russell M. Nelson did an article called Your Body, a Magnificent Gift to Cherish. Then there was another article called More Than a Body Seen as God Does. Another one that talks about the brain and body, how they work together, how I fight illness with faith, amazing things the body can do. And then the preceding article to what we're talking about this week is the word of wisdom, what it is, what it isn't. So it seems pretty obvious they've taken a lot of different healthy kinds of issues and put them together to be able to address this issue with the young people. And I think you raise a good point. It should be important for us to reiterate that we are not against the LDS Church instructing its people on things that are positive, both physically and spiritually, at least in their context. That's certainly their right to do that. There's nothing really wrong with that, except when you carry these suggestions into the arena of making it sin if you don't go along with the restrictions that the church lays down for its members. That's the problem that we have, because we don't find the New Testament supporting a lot of the restrictions that the Mormon church places upon its people. Though we would agree that there are some things in the Word of Wisdom found in section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenants that are probably some good ideas. But we have to be careful in crossing that line of propriety and making things sin that we know that the New Testament certainly does not make sin. Now, we've talked about so far vaping and e-cigarettes. And yeah, I think we would agree that vaping is probably not very good for you. E-cigarettes are not good for you. Probably in some cases not as bad as smoking the real thing. But we know that there's enough evidence now to show that we should probably stay away from that. When it comes to mochas, lattes, macchiatos, coffee, again, the hot drinks warning in Section 89 has been interpreted to mean coffee and tea. But we find, as I pointed out yesterday, there's a lot of health benefits that science has come up with since 1833, when this revelation was allegedly given to Joseph Smith, that shows that coffee is not really all that unhealthy and that drinking it actually has a lot of health benefits. Now, today we're going to look at the section here in this article written for young people titled Green Tea Iced Tea. What does it say in that very short paragraph? Green tea and black tea are both made from the leaves of the exact same tea plant. The only difference is that the leaves in black tea are fermented, and in green tea they're not. They're both tea and against the word of wisdom. 
Some drinks have tea in them, but don't advertise that fact. So always check the ingredients. Also, iced tea is still tea. So you can see that the church does not want its young people imbibing in tea, whether it's hot or whether it's cold, whether it's green, whether it's black tea. But if you were to just do a very simple study on the web about the health benefits, let's take green tea, for instance, you're going to find that there actually is a lot of health benefits in the drinking of green tea. I have this one article in front of me. It's from WebMD. And of course, a a lot of us, when we have questions about health issues, we go to WebMD because a lot of these articles are written by doctors or nutritionists who seem to have some expertise on that subject. This article that I came across, it's called Health Benefits of Green Tea. It was written by Paula Spencer Scott. Here's how it starts, Eric, which I found fascinating. Green tea is so good for you that it's even got some researchers raving. It's the healthiest thing I can think of to drink, says Christopher Ochner, Ph.D. The healthiest thing I can think of to drink. Now, he's affiliated with the School of Medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital. And the reason why green tea has this benefit, according to this article, is because it's all about the catechin content. Catechin is C-A-T-E-C-H-I-N. And this is a statement by Beth Reardon, who's a, a Boston nutritionist. Catechins are antioxidants that fight and may even prevent cell damage. Green tea is not processed much before it's poured in your cup, so it's rich in catechins. This article goes on to say green tea has been shown to improve blood flow and lower cholesterol. A 2013 review of many studies found green tea helped prevent a range of heart-related issues from high blood pressure to congestive heart failure. In one Swiss study... MRIs revealed that people who drank green tea had greater activity in the working memory area of their brains. Green tea has also been shown to help block the formation of plaques that are linked to Alzheimer's disease. Now, Eric, when I read that, I'm thinking, so why in the world would the LDS church leadership prevent their people from wanting to partake in something like that? That sounds pretty good to me. Or another question, why would God prohibit something that is supposedly so healthy when this is a health code? This is meant to bring health to the people who follow its dictates. Well, you bring up something I never thought about before, but we've kind of touched on it. This revelation, as it's known in section 89, was given in 1833. And as I've mentioned in past shows, since then, science has shown that there's a lot of benefits to some of the things that it seems to prohibit, coffee in particular, and tea in particular. You would think that if the God of the Mormon church is the God of the Bible and he's omniscient, He would have known in 1833 that coffee wasn't bad for an individual and neither is black tea or green tea. Why didn't he say, here are some things that you can have in moderation, but don't overdo it. And I think you could do that with just about everything. Certainly, moderation is going to be the key. If you drink too much green tea, you drink too much iced tea, you drink too much coffee, that could have negative impacts. But in moderation, according to the statistics and according to the doctors, it is healthy. I think these are questions that Mormons should be asking themselves. If they do, that's a whole other issue. But still, there's evidence out there. Anybody can look it up. And I think if you are an evidence-minded individual, some of these things should cause you to have second thoughts as to what the LDS Church is teaching its membership. 
the, the other subject that it has in this article, vaping, coffee, tea, and marijuana, of course, is the subject of marijuana. And it's lumped in with opioids. And we know that the use of opioids is a huge topic in our country today because of the dumping of a lot of opioids upon our society, causing many to be addicted to these pain medications. And it's kind of a difficult subject, Eric, because, you know, there are people who do need pain medication, especially after certain surgeries or perhaps certain accidents. And I know I, I've had surgery, for instance, on my neck and on my shoulder, and, and the doctor prescribed an opioid for me to take afterwards for the pain. Now, I don't like those things. They scare me because you can be addicted to an opioid within a week. I certainly don't want to place myself anywhere near that kind of temptation. So I've not taken them except maybe one right after the surgery, but I'll try to just take something else over the counter that I hope will take away the pain. But there are a lot of people that are addicted to these things. So here is one caution that I certainly don't have any problem with. But what does it say in the paragraph regarding marijuana and opioids? Marijuana may be legal for medicinal or even recreational use in a lot of places now. But that doesn't mean that any use is suddenly not against the word of wisdom. Medical uses are being studied, but just like many pain medications such as opioids, marijuana is an addictive substance. Such habit-forming substances should be avoided except under the care of a competent physician and then used only as prescribed. But yet we find in the state of Utah, the addiction to prescribed medicines is rampant. It's a huge problem in this state. And so I can understand why they would probably put out a warning such as this in the New Era magazine, which, as we've said, is read primarily by a younger audience, more in the teenage, young adult category. There is a lot of controversy over the use of marijuana, but one thing we do know about it, it certainly does impair your physical abilities to, say, drive. And that's a problem that I always had. You know, even in the state of Utah, they They pushed it through mainly because they were using the word medicinal. And of course, everybody jumps on the bandwagon that we don't want people in pain. And this seems to work where other medications don't. Now, if you want to believe that the people pushing the medicinal use of marijuana was merely for the medicinal use of marijuana, I'm just going to say you're awfully gullible because you know, if you knew anything at all, They were pushing for the recreational use of it as well. And that's what always seems to happen. And it should come as no surprise. Then that becomes a societal problem, especially, as I mentioned earlier, in the area of driving. Because I certainly don't want the guy driving next to me to be high on pot. I certainly don't want my pilot who just got in the plane after smoking a joint. I don't want anything like that. That causes me a lot of concern. And if it was kept to medicinal, you might have an argument there. If the person taking it stays at home and he doesn't become a problem for anyone else. This issue of the driving on the government website called drugabuse.gov, it says this, marijuana significantly impairs judgment motor coordination, and reaction time, and studies have found a direct relationship between blood THC concentration and impaired driving ability. So it's been very clearly proven that this is a problem. When you have something as everyday use of driving, everybody's doing that if they're smoking marijuana throughout the day or whenever they do it and they go out and drive, 
they're impaired just as much as somebody who's had uh, alcoholic drinks before they've gone out to drive. And the difficulty of knowing whether or not a person is impaired after smoking marijuana is difficult when it comes to the use of alcohol. I mean, we have breathalyzer tests that can clearly show if somebody is driving while under the influence of alcohol. It's not so easy when it comes to marijuana. If the effects of both become problematic, especially on the road, where a lot of us spend a lot of our time, I would think that that would have been taken into some serious consideration before it was legalized. But we live in a culture now where let's just get what we want now and let's do it and let's worry about all the detrimental effects later on. And unfortunately, by then, it oftentimes is too late to put the genie back into the bottle or the toothpaste back into the tube. And then you have to just live with those effects, and that becomes the new normal. So in this case, I'm not faulting the church at all with warning its young people about the use of marijuana and opioids. But I would think there would probably be even more warning when it comes to the use of opioids because of the addiction effect being so much quicker than marijuana, which the addiction effect on marijuana is even controversial. There's a lot of people that don't even think that that's the case. And so there's probably going to be many more studies on that. Tomorrow, we're going to take one more category that wasn't listed in this article titled Vaping, Coffee, Tea, and Marijuana. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.